You are listening to The Yoni Codes, where every week we explore the secret mysteries of the divine feminine through the reclamation of motherhood, entrepreneurship, and relationship. Through the gates of your yoni and held within your womb are secret codes that, when activated, spark magic, healing, and rebirth. The Yoni Codes are the wisdom keys to harnessing your power, healing your lineage, and expressing your magic in the world. We believe that if every woman unlocks the Yoni Codes within themselves, the ripple effect will be the healing of our collective. I'm Melissa April. I'm Catherine Blanco. Let us dive into the mysteries together. Hello, hello. Welcome back, Yoni Coders. Here to decode the mysteries of the universe. Yes, just like universe engineers. Um, today, <laughs> in today's episode, we are bringing to you the first in a series that we are starting. If you are following us on social media, you know this already. We are bringing to our community the Red Tent series. And today, we are going to be exploring menarch and our first blood as women um i guess girls entering into womanhood and Mm -hmm. we're we feel really excited that i mean i feel like this is the perfect place to start a red tent series it's like let's start from the very beginning let's start from our first bleed um because it's not often something that we really talk about no and both melissa and i um really value storytelling and feel that this is a way to not only activate our own voices, but it can be a place for you to start the conversation about your first menarch and perhaps uh, talking to the women in your community about it as well. Um, because it is really powerful when we can speak our stories, regardless of, of how, um, whether they were positive or not. And I, I feel that it's important for us to to share this with each other and yeah, create a community around it. Absolutely. And I think that regarding our menstrual cycle in general, so much can be explained from our first bleed. And those mm-hmm. younger years, um, when we're just like coming into our womanhood and it like it's it really informs a lot for us and I guess that'll kind of unravel as we we dive in Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to read a part of this book that I read in a book club over the summer called Magdalene Rising I'm holding it up as if the audience can see. <laughs> this is for Catherine and Cora. <laughs> it's a beautiful book. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's by Elizabeth Cunningham. And it is all about Mary Magdalene. And bef- But before Mary Magdalene became Mary Magdalene, this is this tale of young Maeve. Um, and... Obviously, it's a fictional tale, um, but it's really in reverence of her story. And so much is told from the story of, you know, Jesus and and the church. And not a lot is known about her and celebrated as an individual and, and where she came from. And so 
it's a must read. I love it. Um, and the part that I wanted to read you is Herman Arc. Um, and just a little piece from that because I think it's really powerful. So she grew up, a little backstory, she grew up on this island where only women lived. And she had eight mothers. I think it's eight. I can't remember if it's eight. I think it's eight. So she has her birth mother and seven other mothers. And she refers to them all as mothers. And I'm going to start, I'm going to begin the reading. My mothers surround me, their faces lit by torchlight. They are so well known to me. These are the faces that crowded over my cradle, vying for a turn to rock me and nurse me. Yet tonight, they are also unknown, new, strange. For the first time, I am separate, not just their child. I am a woman bleeding as they are bleeding, one of them, but no longer theirs. I am standing naked in the midst of women who made me, and I am beautiful. And it goes on to share how she anointed their foreheads and cheeks with her blood. And I wanted to bring this, um, one, because the next chapter is called What's in a Name, and that's actually one of our episodes, and I, we just like realized this when I was telling <laughs> Catherine I wanted to read this. But I wanted to bring this because I feel like it highlights some important pieces. So young Maeve in this story, she grew up surrounded by a community of women who really celebrated and held this sacred time of the month at, like in high esteem, in mm -hmm. high reverence, in high reverence and it's like even the way she's talking about it it's like i am now a woman with them like i am no no longer theirs i am now a woman that is beautiful and separate from them and it's just like how many of us are thinking this and not that we we need to have like it needs to be like this but i think it just is really illustrating the importance of like community and growing up in a society where this is talked about and it's celebrated and it's normal and it's mm. not hidden and it's there's no shame in it it's it's a beautiful rites of passage that we all move through which we all do regardless of whether it's good or bad like whether the experience itself is good or bad yes and i think that's important to to mention that these rites of passages are happening to us throughout our life, whether we mark the occasion or not. So there is a subconscious effect, especially when we aren't conscious of these these right, rites of passage um, when it comes to yeah, our first bleed, our virginity and our childbirth, if, if that's a part of our journey, moving into menopause, all of these different parts of of being a woman and going through these rites of passage are going to happen, are going to occur. And how can we embrace them? How can we bring more reverence to these, these, these moments in our lives? And why does it matter? <laughs> why yeah. should we? Why should we care? Why should we want to um, celebrate? 
our our menstruation. Yeah, and I think this was what was really one of the reasons why we wanted to start this series was because it's such a big topic that goes really deep and it's so hard mm-hmm. to just cover it would it would be a disservice to try and just like fit everything into one episode oh we'd be here all night yeah here all night and 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 the conversation keeps going and going and going it's um it's it's so it is so ingrained in who we are as women and the cycle that we move through in our life and it yeah it can take us on so many journeys so i'm excited to to see where that takes us mm-hmm. in these conversations with um with everybody really i want to hear everybody's take on this as well um so maybe we should talk about our our menarch and our first bleed yeah i think that would be really powerful um do you want to dive in? Do you want to go first? Sure, I can go first. Um, so I was quite young when I first got my period. I was ten. I was about a t- I was ten or so. Um, and my mom, she's a Brazilian, <laughs> and at least in her culture like where she grew up um getting your first bleed was a big deal it's like their 16th birthday they're like and half birthdays like there's just a lot of celebration around these events um and the first bleed is the benarch is um one of big celebration so um it's something where it's like i remember um the day that i got my period i was going into the shower and i saw blood on my underwear and it was like I it didn't shock me it was kind of like oh it's beginning I am a woman now um (laughs) but (laughs) that's it (laughs) that's it here we go um I was like I gotta tell my mother like (laughs) now what now what do we do um but I also it wasn't like a a huge shock to me as well because I grew up watching my mom. My mom never hid it from me. I saw her change her pads and, you know, I I saw blood. I was around it. It was, I was like, okay, and one day this will happen for me. Um, So when I shared it with my mom, she, it it actually like, I remember being like, like shocked at how excited she was. Like she was so excited and she called my aunt um in brazil and you know all of the women in her side of the family and it was like this big thing and i just remember feeling a little embarrassed and but also like oh my mom's like proud of me and like i guess this is a really big deal becoming a a woman and now i'm a woman but i'm like 10 like what (laughs) this is like strange so in one on one side there was celebration and then on the other side that day we were going camping and of course my mom told the neighbor and her friends that we were going camping with and they all all had kids around my age and it happened to be a lot of boys um and somehow the boys found out and like no joke we were camp we went camping we went up to the lake we set up our tents and i hid in my tent 
don't remember if it was red or not, but I hid in my tent because mm. the boys were teasing me. Every time I came out, they're like, ew, you're bleeding. <gasps> Melissa got her period. Like, you know, little boy Aww. teasing. And so it was, it was like this time that could have been really special and was in a, in a way also came with a lot of shame. Mm. Just like, so I think so much of what we, as women in our bodies, like they make fun of us when we get boobs, but then they want boobs, like make up your mind. Like we get so many conflicting messages about our bodies and our blood is gross, but at the same time it's necessary and life-giving. So it's like, make up your mind. Like, (laughs) what do you want society? And so I bring it up. It's really, really powerful that you literally had that experience on the same day though. Like that's a very micro, you know, like it's a, it's a, I I don't know how to articulate this properly, but I'm going to try. um, It's just fascinating. Like here you're celebrated with your mother and how beautiful that really could be because a lot of us in our Western society aren't celebrated. It's like, okay, here's the pad here. Here's what you do. Move on. Right. Mm-hmm. So how wonderful to have that. But then on the flip side, you're shamed on the same day. And how as a 10 year old girl, like how do you internalize that? And, and, and how is that affect? How does that affect the beginning of, of your period and oh yeah can you speak to like what it was like in the years following around your period yeah I mean I think I remember not like there a lot of the girls that were my friends or that I knew hadn't got their periods yet so I feel like I felt isolated and Mm. was also told that I was gross for it so mm-hmm. I felt like there was a lot of shame. Like I didn't really want to talk about it with other girls because I felt like I was like this freak that had it first. Yeah. Um, and I don't like, I, it, I just remember like once the, the girls that I knew started getting their period starting to feel like okay at least I have like at least I'm not like the the only one the single one out you know the odd one out Mm -hmm. um I'm part of this but even from the beginning it was like okay we you know you probably maybe you had that experience I don't know like hiding your tampons or oh yeah hiding your pads or you know I had a friend of mine tell me that pads were gross and I wasn't allowed to use tampons Um, Hmm. So then there was shame around that coming from another girl. And so it's like, what are we being fed? Who's telling you that pads are gross? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I never even thought of that. And like, where is that coming from? Right. And even like in adult, like I've heard this for sure from other women in my adult years that pads are gross. Ew, I can't stand them. Oh, I've heard that too. Oh, it's like wearing a diaper or I don't want my blood near me. I don't want to see that. Yeah. Let's cover it up. Let's Let's throw it away. Let's move on. Let's stick a tampon in and go to the gym. Like, yeah. Yeah. So 
I'm like, where where does this stuff come from? But I think it's important to know, again, kind of like bringing it back to this book where it's like it, she's surrounded by she's surrounded by it. She's watched her mother's mm. celebrate this every single month together. And she she wit- she was a witness of that. And mm. we don't see that in society. You know, we don't see that in the schools. We don't see that with our friends. And like, you can't control what other people are teaching their kids or not about their bodies and these things. So it's kind of like, where's, yes, we can have the the experience you have with your parent or parents, whoever's supporting you during this phase or not supporting you during this phase, but it extends out beyond that. Mm-hmm. like as a society, as a culture, there is no foundation mm-hmm. for education, for reverence, for learning ritual, for natural health or natural, like, there, it's just very, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just very, totally. keep it, keep it quiet, keep it hidden, keep it to clean. yourself, keep it clean. Yeah. And yeah. and then, you know, I think the other part of it is like, and then it quickly becomes you get your period and then it's all about like, okay, well, now you can get pregnant. So contraception, birth control, you know, you need to know all these things, but most importantly, don't have sex and <laughs> don't show your body. You're going to start getting boobs. You're going to start getting this. You're going to start getting that and you're going to draw attention to you and there's a lot of creeps out there. So it's like, it's confusing. It is. For young girls, whether you get it when you're 10 or when you get it when you're 14, like Mm -hmm. puberty in general, that whole process, it's like becoming a woman to me felt dangerous just because of like what, what it kind of meant to, you know, my mom, she had, she was traumatized in her own life by her own stuff that happened, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even in the schools, it's like, don't wear, you can't wear, you, you can't wear tank tops. You have to wear, uh, girls can't wear tank tops. Because yeah. why? Who's looking? We're, we're distracting the boys. We're distracting the teachers. Like, so everything becomes, you bleed. Now you're a sexual object and you need to hide all of it so that you yeah. don't disrupt society. <laughs> and then later on in life, you better be able to make a baby. You better be able to make a baby and you better look sexy. And you better yeah. look sexy having the baby and after the baby. And, yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah, it's it's very much ingrained in our society and it's interesting. So I'll, I'll, I'll share my Menarch yeah. story too. Um, but both of us had mothers who weren't shameful about our actual menstruation. We both had mothers that modeled normalization around it. I also saw my mom with her period and she used pads and it was never something that she hid from me either. And yet we both, especially at least for me, outwardly with others i did hide my my tampons and and pads and that went on into my 20s and even i mean i became a mother at 21 so i was already a mom and still hiding my my pads right so 
it's interesting how even rooted from a place, at least from our mothers without shame, that we could still get thrown off by society and how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's worth worth speaking to because if we've felt that and we had support, then I can't even imagine how other women in our generation have felt about their period who maybe didn't have mothers that were so open mm-hmm. about it. Um, and there's a lot of healing that needs to be done around this, about, around our bodies. Oh, for sure. Like something that is a biological process that is part of women, like being a woman that is part mm-hmm. of giving birth and, and giving life to the world for that to be labeled as unnatural or shameful in any way is a travesty. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would love to hear your menarch story. Sure. So I was really excited to get my period. <laughs> um, when I was 11, I went on a trip with my dad to Newfoundland. That's where he's from. And I thought I got my period. <laughs> And I was so excited and I saw, I went to the bathroom and I saw some like reddish tinged water and I was like, oh my gosh, she's here. I'm a woman. And (laughs) and my mom wasn't with me because my parents aren't together anywhere. And so I went and found my aunt and she was so thrilled. I actually think this was the second time on this trip that I thought I had my period. I just don't remember the the other ones because because my aunt was really thrilled. She was like, "Oh, now it's here!" Because I don't know. I felt like my period was coming. I I really did. <laughs> um, so she comes down and she checks the toilet with me, and and she's like, "Um, sorry, honey. Like, it's just a little bit of like rusty toilet water." Because it was like this really old <laughs> toilet in the basement, and. It was so, I was so disappointed. Like I had a little bit of a grief cycle. Like oh. I was that I was wrong and I was embarrassed that I didn't have it yet. And, um, and I, especially because it was more than once on this trip that I thought I had my period. <laughs> Two years later, when I was 13, I finally did get my period. Longing for it. Yeah. And yeah, just like, please come, please come, please come. I don't even really recall why I was so drawn to to this part of becoming a woman, but it felt really important to me. And it was a little bit of a, once I did get it, it I guess it was a little bit of, like an anticlimactic event <laughs> because I'm like, oh, okay, it's here. I told my mom about it and she was really thrilled and we went out for dinner and she bought me this book that I'd been begging for that went all into uh, women's health. And it was like 
geared towards teenagers and I cast wow. it and was able to pass it down to my own daughter. Oh my goodness. I also made my daughter read um, Taking Charge of Your Fertility when she turned 13. Because Really? That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say that you made her read the book to you. <laughs> no. Oh, oh gosh. No. There's like, I mean, there's a lot of information in there that like about sex and drugs and just no rock and roll, but everything else. So um, I can, if I can, we're packing right now, we're moving right now, but if I can find the name of it, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, it was a re- it's a really good, it's a good one for teens. Anyway, so she, she was really excited for me. We did go out for dinner, but at the same time, like it was quite normalized. It was like, okay, here, here you go. And um, here's the pads. Like she explained that to me. I think we did get some new underwear and, um, but at the same time, yeah, it was like, there was nothing moving forward. It wasn't like every month it was something to celebrate. It was more like, yeah, here we go. We're here. And, and that was that. Um, and I actually feel that it was a positive way to go about it because, I mean, even as a teenager, I had no idea. I didn't know about free bleeding. Like this was, this is in the nineties, like long before <laughs> you could find something like that on social media or something like that, that didn't exist. But I was actually naturally drawn to that experience during my my period. So um, yeah, I would, after a shower or something, I would sit in my room with a towel and listen to music and look at myself in the mirror <laughs> and, and feel like I felt really, I don't know, really womanly. Like it, it brought up this, this goddess energy. I didn't have the language for it then, but I do remember feeling something really special about this, the blood and, and being fascinated about it. Um, and just hoping that nobody was like going to walk in on me. Yeah. <laughs> I would just be like, oh, I'm just changing. <laughs> yeah. Just one sec. <laughs> That's um, amazing. But I had no idea. Like, there's a lot of benefits to to free bleeding, and we are going to do a whole episode talking about different uh, ways to to um, to experience your bleed time. And I'm looking forward to going into more detail then. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to mention it here because that is really at the beginning of my story mm-hmm. with my womb and and how I relate related to that part of myself and I do feel that it did have an impact on my first pregnancy and and my birth like I do really see the continuum in in my relationship with Mm. with fertility and my womb um coming from that foundation of comfortability and and celebration and normality around it. So. Yeah. 
well, just as you're talking to, I'm like, yeah, I, I definitely remember like touching it and being curious mm-hmm. about it. Like a lot of things I was with my body at that time, but then also feeling shame around that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that was that was gross or dirty of me to like touch myself in that way or mm-hmm. feel the consistency of it. Not that that was anything that my mom gave me, but again, I think just like what you're around and and the conversations or the non-conversations um so it's just interesting and like (laughs) you're sharing that I'm like I was at a party um and my my girlfriend I got my period my girlfriend was like just put on a tampon I'm like I'm not allowed to use tampons like (laughs) I still use pads and she was like that's gross like let me show you how to (laughs) use a tampon (laughs) and then it was like the one that you stick with a finger uh and she showed me how to put in a tampon. And that was like, that was community and ritual. And totally. Well, yeah. I mean, when you think about it for like what you were guys were 14, like that's pretty, I don't know, that's pretty badass. Yeah, I know. You know, like, not that I'm, you- <laughs> yeah, like now I'm not, like now knowing what I know, I'm not as big into the tampon vibe, but it's still pretty badass that you were able to have that conversation and that she was so open to to explaining how to use it, especially those kind, because they're pretty intimate. They are very intimate. A little bit like when she was like, here, you do it. I'm like, "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) I remember it being very painful and being like, what the like, like why? I, I don't think I'm doing this right. Why is it cutting me with little razor blades? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But but it's so funny because like I'm telling you this now about teenage Catherine. But when I was a teenager, there's no way I, I would share this also because I didn't know that it was a thing and I didn't realize like the health benefits and how how good it is for you now. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think I would have spoken about it to anybody back then because of the shame, but I, and I don't know, it's, it's so weird. Like, it's like hard to find where that thread started to. I think as, I mean, when I, I reflect back to being a teenager, a preteen, like, you just naturally are curious about your body. Mm-hmm. And I think there's all sorts of things that we're doing that we're not talking about or sharing because mm-hmm. either you feel like maybe it won't be understood or it does, or maybe it just feels like sacred for you or maybe there's a lot of shame for feeling it. So I think there's like all sorts of ways, but I think naturally we're inclined to be curious about our bodies. Yeah. And... I think that's where we end up developing a lot of either unhealthy patterning in relationship with it or really healthy ones. And I think it can go, it can go either way. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think for me, I just, yeah, I, I think I felt confused. Like there was some confusion around, like I just didn't understand okay so something can be celebrated and this is like a really positive thing because now I'm a woman but then it sounds like being a woman is just not a very safe or 
necessarily good thing. And mm-hmm. um, so I feel like that definitely like played into how I interacted with my body and how I felt about my bleed time um, in my adult years, early can adult you, years. Can you imagine how it would feel if we had a place to go when we were teenagers to sit in ceremony around our bleed time that like gives me chills when you say that (laughs) that we were like that we could be initiated in that way and I guess we can't go back (laughs) we can't go back then but what we can do is is create that space now and that's something that Melissa and I also want to share in this space is is something that um, we're really excited to be offering our community and that is the opportunity to sit in circle mm-hmm. we kind of had this separate separately really yeah oh yeah tell the story yeah so I've been creating on my own in my own business an offering around the red tent and Mm -hmm. it's not the official name it was just a red tent style community offering and I hadn't launched it yet but Catherine and I Catherine brought the idea to do the red tent series on the podcast as like a topic of conversation and I was like oh my god that's so crazy because I've been thinking about this offering and and it's just a matter of timing anyways uh (laughs) recently she she called me and she's like I've got this idea it's a big one here we go I think that we should collaborate and do a red tent offering together and it was just kind of like this explosion of like yes like of course yeah of course (laughs) this is this is the yoni codes and it was yeah it was just really perfect and I feel like we are we're often doing that like yeah (laughs) something separately and then we come together and we're like oh my god anyways it feels so right and so perfect because we are all about creating community and 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 holding space for these big conversations and transformations and um i feel like this is going to be a really beautiful addition to building the community it kind of feels like it'll be like the podcast but in real time mm-hmm. the red tent series but in real time and really holding a space for transformation and and conversation with you uh, the listeners. Yeah. So that is coming early 2022. Mm-hmm. We are going to be sharing, we are going to be um, dripping information about that over the coming weeks. Um, so there you go. Yeah, follow us at the Yoni Codes. <laughs> yes, on Instagram at the Yoni Codes. Yeah. Um, and we'll, yeah, we'll be sharing on the podcast as well. So I'm so excited for it. Um, yeah, and this will be a place for us to sit together and and help each other um, reclaim a lot of of this 
this part, this aspect of our feminine mystery. Yes. So before we close our our talk today, I would love for for the opportunity to perhaps share a little bit of a ritual. Um, and this is something that's going to be deeply embedded into into our, our red tent uh, community as well. Um, but we also acknowledge that sometimes doing these rituals alone can be really powerful. And as a mom of a teenager and two other daughters, I have three three girls and and a son and I make sure that he knows about periods too. He's only three though. <laughs> um, he he's curious though. Um anyway, uh so I'd love to share a, a ritual to help acknowledge and celebrate a a woman or a child becoming a woman in your life, whether that be your daughter or your neighbor or your niece. And that's like creating a a box of different things that they can bring into their menstrual time. And some suggestions would be perhaps putting some new underwear in there um, or a gift certificate so they can go pick out their own, depending on how old they are when they receive their, their first bleed. Um, perhaps putting a candle and a way to light that candle and uh, an opportunity for them to to speak about their period with you if they want to and perhaps sitting with them in, in a sweet small ceremony where you light the candle and place your hand on your heart and your womb and take some breaths together and and bring gratitude because what I do notice in the the teen culture um, in, in this time <laughs> is that there there isn't as much well at least in from my limited perspective it doesn't seem like there's a lot of you gross but more the memes around oh, this is something I just have to get through and mm. not so much like uh, joy and elation about the period coming or the, the menstruation and the blood arriving, but more like, oh, I have to get through this. Like yeah. that flow is here. Like some ne- like a lot of negativity rather than the gratitude. So I think that could be a really beautiful place to start your, um, your journey with your with your young one in a place of of high regard and gratitude and sort of explaining why it's a good thing that that we bleed yeah that's so beautiful I'm like already thinking of things that I could like put together like little stories and stuff Mm. for when my when my daughter turns I mean, that's a long ways away, but yeah. I'm like, ooh, so many ideas. Um, one year at a time, Melissa. <laughs> um, but I love what you said, and I think that kind of rolls perfectly into the ritual that I wanted to share mm. because I think it's important to know that 
if you don't have a healthy relationship with your cycle, meaning you are an adult who feels the way that Catherine was talking about, where, ugh, I just want to get through this. Ugh, it's such a pain. Ugh, I just, you know, I've, I've had clients say, like, I feel like two weeks of my life is, like, ruined because of my mood, and then I'm bleeding, and then blah. And I think, again, in starting this conversation in this community and we're wanting to hold a space for you to start to change that and know that it can be a time speaking from somebody who used to really dread getting her period and dread the PMS part of it to I love it now and I'm excited Mm. for my bleed time and we're not going to go into that today but it's important to know that if you're if you have that kind of relationship with your cycle that is going to be passed down to your daughter and or your Mm -hmm. son will grow up thinking that this is a time where like stay out of her way like you know or (laughs) they're they also won't have a positive perspective around what that's that time of the cycle that time in a woman's cycle means so Mm -hmm. Coming back to Menarche and how so much of our experience is formed from that time, a ritual that you can do to really kind of reclaim power and gratitude for this part of yourself is to kind of just look back at like, what was your experience? How did you feel during that first bleed were you supported were you not supported were you celebrated did you feel shame did you feel dirty were you confused and starting to look at if you could recreate it okay we can't go back in time and change things but if you could recreate it what would have made it special for you and it could be something as simple as a hot cup of tea with your mom or your aunt or your friend And it could have been a really delicious piece of chocolate. And it could have been, I don't know, it could have been so many things. But starting to look at like what would have really made that special for you. And then starting to bring in, like anchor that feeling into your body with your next bleed. And if you are no longer bleeding, bring it into the new moon phase or the full moon phase in a really deliberate way to give yourself... to give yourself permission to celebrate this incredibly sacred time in your life now. And like, it's like you kind of do rewrite time in a way Mm -hmm. when you, when you do this kind of ritual, Um, it's a way to heal your lineage. It's a way to heal just your past and give yourself what maybe you couldn't have at that time you can give it to yourself now. Um, it's never too late. It's never it's too great. late. And, you know, this is something that you can do some journaling, like grab a journal, grab a pen, write a letter to that younger version of yourself, sharing the experience that you're going to create for her to have. Because that that version of you who went through the menarch, she is still with you. She still lives within you. And so... That's something that you can start off doing. 
And if that feels out of reach, if it feels like, whoa, that seems like a lot to do, and <laughs> I don't, you know, just start with doing something sweet for yourself during your cycle. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we're going to go into so much more of this, but there's such power in bringing this ritual into your life. And, and I uh, think we get caught up in a lot of us, even just hearing the word ritual, it's like, whoa, whoa, like ceremony. It doesn't have to be as complicated as it doesn't have to be an hour long thing. This really can be a simple moment, similar to what I was mentioning with our own daughters. If you have one, I forgot to mention, like including a journal in there and some really high end chocolates and, and, doing the same thing for yourself like you could create a a menarch box for you and um and just making that a part of your your ritual and maybe it's just the first day of your your period Mm -hmm. that you sit and and hold one moment of intention that you're going to be grateful today um that you're going to hold hold that for yourself um and so I feel like we are uncovering a really beautiful Yoni code here. Yeah. And that is the power of ritual and the, the capacity for these ceremonies to shift, to shift us and move us towards healing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Mm. It's like, you know, we celebrate the longest day of the summer of the year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we celebrate things throughout the year. And it's like we can celebrate ourselves every month. Yes. Every month we're we are going through a process of rebirth and shedding, you know, every time we bleed, we're shedding We're a part of us is leaving. A part of us is dying in service of new life in service of new newness, um, new beginnings. And I think that this is the, this is the rebirth. It's the reclamation of our, our cycles and the reclamation of this opportunity to rebirth every single month that is mm-hmm. the rebirth and through that we unlock the code of the power of ritual within that and how we can really anchor into our our sovereignty our power our magic as women and there's a whole world to uncover which is why we are going to be continuing on these conversations because yes. <laughs> again we don't want to be here all night <laughs> i mean i love talking to it's great but yeah we could we could do it <laughs> we could do it i don't think you could sit and listen to us talk for four hours it would be no. intense yeah a lot of editing out the giggles too yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i love this conversation i am excited for the next one i am excited to hear the listeners i'm excited to hear your your stories we will be posting a post 
about this episode with some questions for you, some integration questions that you can answer in the comments and just keep the conversation rolling. So keep an eye out on that next week or this week today. I guess it'll be there today when you listen to it. Yeah. (laughs) Time is a weird thing, you know, (laughs) I'm recording it now, but you're going to listen to it later. But then you're listening to it now. But yeah, I'm like, (laughs) I'm listening to this now. (laughs) What? (laughs) But you're going to be part of the conversation later? Wow, so deep. (laughs) We're all about that here. Just like real deep, profound (laughs) shit. (laughs) Okay, let's wrap it. Love you guys. See you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this Yoni Code. If this episode moved, inspired, or flat out entertained you, please head over to iTunes and give us five stars or share with a friend. Follow us on Instagram at the Yoni Codes to continue the conversation. Oh, and make sure to click on the link in the profile for other ways to connect. We look forward to unlocking the next Yoni Code together.